moms and grandmas out there. We will be in the book of Galatians this morning. Galatians. Galatians. We got a chance to uh, finish up uh, Philemon last week. We finished up Second Peter a couple weeks ago. We did a one-week stop in the book of Philemon. Uh, Chuck Swindoll calls out a little postcard. Great little book. I encourage you, if you weren't here last week, get a copy of it on CD or listen to it online. It's a short one-chapter book, and it deals with Paul dealing with a relationship issue with Philemon. And it's a great book. I just encourage you, if you're any type of... a interpersonal relationship stress. It's a great book to go and say, how as Christians do we handle this? What is the Lord calling us to do and how to handle that? And I encourage you to get a copy of that or listen to that online. But it's fun that we get to start a new book here today. We're starting the book of Galatians. I did Galatians for devotions a few months ago and was just completely blessed by it and absolutely loved it. And when we got to the point of starting a new book, I went back and looked. And I don't think I've taught through Galatians since, uh, since 2000. So it's been 17 years since we've had a chance to go through Galatians. So this, I hope you'll be as blessed as I am to go through this. And there's a lot of great stuff in here. So with that being said, let's pray, get started, and we'll go in there. Lord, as we just come to you now, good to be here this morning. Uh, just a blessed day, Lord, to celebrate you and who you are and what a beautiful morning it is, time of fellowship and worship. Thank you. But for right here, right now, let the Holy Spirit lead and guide. Help us to truly hear what you have to say through your teaching. In your name, amen. Galatians. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Stop right there. Galatia, it's in Asia Minor. If you have maps in the back of your Bible, you can take a look at it and kind of see. But Galatia, Paul visited at least three times on different missionary journeys. This is a church he was very familiar with. This is a church that he loved deeply. And so this is a church that he was very close to. So he is writing to this to them, and as he's writing to them, he's reminding them in verse 1 that he's an apostle. Now remember what the word apostle means, one who has been sent. That's what it means. He has been sent by the Lord for this mission, for this ministry. Now with that being said, as we talked about in our study in Second uh, Peter, in our study in the book of Philemon, as an apostle, when you are sent, that means whatever situation you are in, whatever you're facing at this moment, the Lord says, this is where I want you for this reason. So when Paul was writing some of these books from prison, As an apostle, he's saying, God has sent me here. He wants me here for a reason and a purpose. And as you read through some of those prison epistles, he's not saying, get me out. He's saying the Lord is actually using this. Take a look at the beginning of the book of Philippians, and you'll see Paul say how much fruit came out of him being in prison. So I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at right here, right now in life, it may seem very difficult, it may seem very tough, but the Lord has a plan and purpose, and you've got to remember that. Let him use you. Let him be glorified through what you're going through. And this is exactly what's happening with Paul as an apostle. So he is one that has been sent. He has a mission from the Lord. Now that applies to us as well too. You guys have a mission from the Lord. Now the problem is we have certain words in Christianity that we use that really aren't in the right biblical context. We'll use the one example. Ministry. Now, you guys would probably say, I'm in the ministry. Some of you may even refer to me as a minister since I'm a pastor. Okay, but the word minister truly means to serve. So what that means is you guys are all in the ministry. You guys are all ministers. Because the Lord has all called you to serve someplace at some time. Maybe that's at home. Maybe that's being a witness at work. Maybe that's in your community. I don't know. But you are in the ministry. And you are a minister because you're serving for the Lord. So the next time you fill out a job application, put down minister. 
I'll vouch for you. So that is what you're in. But you guys are also in missions work. Now, when we think of missionary work, we usually think of something exotic going overseas. You know, we got a group that's going down to Mexico here in a few weeks. That's a missionary work. You're a missionary wherever you're at because you're representing Jesus Christ to the world and the community wherever you're at. So no matter what you are doing, you are in the ministry and you are in missions work and the Lord wants to use you right there. Now, what you see in the book of Galatians, though, is to do this missions work... It's a lifelong process of dying to yourself. Take a look at some of these passages. We're just going to do a quick overview of Galatians. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. Crucified. That is a long, painful process of death. What Paul is saying is it is a long, painful process to die to who I am. Now, it does not mean that Christianity is a long, painful process. No, Christianity is joy, peace, love, patience, goodness, kindness. Those are those wonderful things. But for us to truly, fully experience everything Christ has for us, there's a process of us dying to ourselves. We need to die to who we are, deny ourselves, and disappear. Now, I know that's not the most popular idea, but if you really want to live for the Lord and you really want to experience what the joy of the Lord is and the peace of the Lord is, means we have to disappear. This is a theme once again. We see it in Galatians 2.20. Stay in Galatians. Go to Galatians 6 real quick. Galatians 6, verse 14. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That means now we're supposed to be dying and disappearing to the world. To the world. It's a lifelong process of us disappearing and living for Christ. Now the world is going to tell you to try to find yourself. Find that one thing that brings you joy and happiness. If you got time, go read the book of Ecclesiastes. It's about a guy who tried to find himself and find that one thing that brought him joy and happiness. And he ends Ecclesiastes with, it has to be the Lord and the Lord alone. You can spend all your life trying to find that joy and peace separate from the Lord. And it's a lifelong process. You will find moments of happiness. You will find moments of joy. But true joy comes from the Lord and the Lord alone and dying, denying, and disappearing. Take a look here at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. One more introductory verse. Look at verse 16, Galatians 5. I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so you do not do the things that you wish. That's the battle, folks, right there. In my spirit, I want to grow. I want to go deeper. I want to pray more. I want to read more. I want to witness more. I want to represent Christ more. In my flesh, I want to sit on the couch and eat potato chips all day. I want to do nothing. I want to fulfill me. And it's a lifelong battle between me and the spiritual side that says, no, I want to grow and go deeper. And what I've realized as a Christian and what we're going to study here in Galatians, it's a lifelong process of those three words again, those three D words, dying, denying, and disappearing. And when that happens, I can truly start to live for the Lord and everything. And what you see here in the book of Galatians, it's this lifelong process. Because what was happening is the book of Galatians is about this church in Galatia that started out good, the gospel of Christ. But then they started bringing things with it. 
And Paul said, no, we can't do that. It has to be Jesus and Jesus alone. So what you see is Paul's introduction as an apostle, not from men. This is a God mission. Please remember that second part of verse 1. God the Father who raised him from the dead. We're going to come back to that. God the Father who raised him from the dead. Okay, verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He wants us to have grace and peace. Verse 3. Peace. I would say that's the thing I get asked for the most. If I go up to somebody and said, how can I pray for you? I usually hear peace. We want peace. We want to go to bed at night in a peaceful, safe spot. We want to get up the next morning without fear, worry, and anxiety and have peace. Okay, now Paul is telling us the only way you're going to have peace is through Jesus Christ. People are searching for it. When we did the Muslim outreach up in Dearborn last uh, summer, I remember one asking one of the Muslim men, what can I pray for? And he's just prayed, can you pray for peace? Everybody's seeking peace. Only way to have real peace, though, in verse 3, is you've got to have grace first. What's grace? Grace is God not giving you something. Excuse me, God giving you something you don't deserve. It means a gift. That's what the word grace literally means. God has gifted you salvation through Christ. And so when you understand that you are born again and saved in Jesus, all of a sudden you have peace. Because nothing else matters. Now, I know we know this on paper. And I know we say this verbally. But let me ask you, do you truly, really believe that? That the only thing that matters is I am saved in Christ Jesus. And so therefore, I want to go spread that same message to everyone I know. So therefore, when work falls apart, hey, I'm born again and saved. Heaven's waiting for me. When I go to the doctor and I get the diagnosis I don't want to hear, hey, I'm born again and saved. Heaven's waiting for me. I have grace. That grace gives me peace. But if you do not fully understand that gospel message of grace, you will never fully have peace right here, right now. Because peace has to come through Jesus, and it has to come through, verse 4, his death. His death. Christ had to die for our sins, and that is what brings us grace, which then gives us peace. So when you are talking to your non-believing friends and family members, and they are searching for peace, you can give them all the verses you want on peace. You can tell them about the peace of the Lord. That is all good. But ultimately this, they can never fully experience peace until they come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. When that happens, they can finally have peace peace and you know people and I know people that you keep trying to help them with peace but they don't want to get right with the Lord for them to have peace they have to get right with the Lord what did God do for us verse 4 delivered us from this evil age think about that delivered us from this present evil age some of your translation says rescued it's the same word to describe Israel being taken out of Egypt the same word to describe Peter being in prison and being rescued You need to be rescued. I need to be rescued from this world. If you're saved, you've been rescued. Now, that should change everything. Imagine you're going to go on a trip, and you're going to go to a foreign country. You go to the foreign country, and as you're in there in the country, you've done nothing wrong. All of a sudden, you're arrested, you're thrown in prison, and they say they're going to execute you the next morning. You've done nothing wrong. You were just over there to enjoy vacation. In the middle of the night, an angel appears to you, unlocks the prison doors, sets you free, and miraculously takes you back to the United States. Would that not be a story you'd want to share with people? So if I'd come up to you and say, hey, how was the trip overseas? That was uneventful. 
You have been rescued from this present evil age. As a believer in Christ, the Lord has saved you from this world. That is absolutely amazing. Here's the problem. We don't think this world's that bad. We spend so much time trying to make ourselves comfortable right here. To think that I've been rescued? Rescued from what? This beautiful weather? Rescued from green grass? Rescued from a day off? Rescued from being able to go do this and enjoy that? This world is evil, folks. The problem is we try so hard to make ourselves comfortable right here, right now. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you truly want to live your life from this book, Genesis to Revelation, you're going to have to be rescued from this evil world. This world, guys, is rough. We are called to be different. The the more I read and study the Bible, the more I realize how weird I will be to the world. And I realize I am raising really weird kids. (laughs) Compared to the world... You are here this morning, and I'm encouraging you to be weird. Because to try to compare yourselves to the status of the world, we cannot match up to that. We're called to a different thing. Think of all the verses where the Bible says that you have been called out. That's what the word saint means. Saint just means separated. God has said, I have separated you from the world. So you will live different. You will act different. You will talk different. You will dress different. You're going to be weird. But what we try to do as believers is this. I'm born again and saved, but I want to be as close as I can to the world because I don't really want to be the weird Christian. We all know the weird Christians. Guys, if you're really going to live it, it's going to be strange to the world. And we have to understand that, and we have to understand how different that will be. This is not a new thought. Can you go with me to the book of Luke, please? Let's go back to what Jesus said about this. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. If you had been rescued from prison, miraculously, you would tell everybody about it. We have been rescued from this evil age. That's what we're supposed to do is tell people. And that is going to make us different. Please remember the verses here. They're in red if you have a Bible in red. This is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus, the epitome of love, the epitome of God. Look at what Christ has to say about this. Luke 12, verse 49. I came to send fire on the earth. And how I wish it was already kindled, verse 50 of Luke 12. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. He's talking about his death. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five and one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Boy, that's a great Mother's Day verse right there. Look at these words. Verse 51. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you not at all, but rather division. When you decide to get serious with the Lord, there's going to be a division that happens in your life. If you're in a house where you're the only believer, you're going to be ostracized right then and there. If you work on a shift where there's no other believers, you're going to be ostracized. That's what's going to happen. Christ is saying there's going to be division. Now, this does not mean that you search for it and you seek it out. It happens. It happens. We reach a point where we start saying, well, I don't care what anybody thinks. Take a look here at Galatians 1. Paul says the same thing. Look at verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? 
If I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. We're going to get to that verse in a little bit. But what happens is this. We start saying, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm just here to represent Jesus Christ. Now, amen to that. But what happens is I've seen some believers take that to extreme. And to be quite honest, they're jerks. Because they're not worrying about representing the Lord. They take this pride of, well, I'm just going to be different. I'm going to be strange. And I don't care if anybody doesn't like me. Now, listen to these statements. They sound contradictory. But I hope you understand what I'm saying. I don't care what people think about me, but I also care what people think about me. I, I don't care what people think. I, you know, when my name comes up in your head, if it ever does, I, it really doesn't matter what you think. I have lots of opinions that you guys give me, especially on my beard, and I appreciate that, but I really don't. <laughs> do you guys always have an opinion? I, you know, it really doesn't matter what you think. Now, but I do care what you think, because I'm also representing Jesus Christ, So when it comes to James as a person, you know what, guys, I love you. I hope you love me. We're going to be in eternity together. Let's work through a lot of stuff. But when it comes to me representing Christ, I really do care what you think. Because I want to represent Jesus in every interaction I have with people. And that's very difficult to do sometimes. So what Paul is saying about being a a pleaser of men, we're going to get to that in a little bit. But you do have to realize, as a born-again believer, when you take a stand for Christ, you are bringing division. You are bringing division. Because what happens is this, when you choose to take a stand for truth, it's going to cause problems where you live and where you work. And Jesus said, I told you this 2,000 years ago. Please remember that. So we are delivered from this present evil age. Hey, remember, it's not about trying to make yourself comfortable down here. The Bible says we're tents, temporary dwellings. It's not about fitting in. It's not about being comfortable. It's about glorifying the Lord and what we do. Look at verse 5. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's the reminder. He gets the glory. It is not about making ourselves comfortable. Just ask yourself this week, how much time do you spend trying to make yourself comfortable in this temporary tent? It's not about that. I've been delivered from this evil age. Verse 6. I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. See, once again, what was happening is that this church in Galatia, people were getting saved in Christ. And there was these Jews, they were called Judaizers, would come in and say, hey, you like Jesus? Hey, we like Jesus too. So let's just combine things. So you get saved through Jesus, but just still keep following the law, the dietary rules. Um, Still get your boys circumcised. But you know what? Bring Jesus in the mix. We'll just kind of mix everything together. And what's happening is Paul is saying, you can't do that. You're turning away from Christ. Because look at verse 6. The grace of Christ. The word grace means gift. Christ gave you the gift of eternal life. So when you start intermixing works in with it, It's no longer the free salvation of Jesus. This still happens today. Oh, you're you're great with Jesus? Well, I'm, I'm glad you like Jesus. Don't forget to get baptized. Don't forget to go through the confirmation. Don't forget to do that. Now, listen, I'm not trying to step on toes. Those things are good. We like baptism. We do baptism out here. In fact, we're doing one in June. Quick plug. If you want to get baptized, come talk to me about that. Those things have good in them. But if you start trusting in those events for salvation, you're wrong. God love you, but that's wrong. What comes is you're saved through Christ and Christ alone. That's the gospel. That's what's the good news. That's what the word gospel means. There is no other, verse 7, there's no other gospel, but some are trying to trouble you, fool you, confuse you. They want to pervert it. They want to twist it. No. 
We want to take a stand for the truth of the gospel. Now, let's go back to this analogy of being in prison and being miraculously saved by the angel. He would come home, and I think he would tell everybody about it. I hope you would. It's an amazing story. So if I've been saved by this present evil age, and I truly understand the gospel, would I not want to tell everybody about that as well? I mean, go back up here to uh, where was that? Take a look at verse 4. That who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this evil age according to the will of our God, our Father. Jesus gave himself for our sins. That's pretty good news. Jump back to verse 1. God the Father raised him from the dead. That's kind of amazing. That's the gospel. As I want to come tell you that Jesus died, rose again, took away your sins, because there is a heaven and there is a hell, this is the good news I want to tell you. Now, I hope this changes how we live and interact. Because we have so many daily conversations with people that really have no eternal value in any way whatsoever. I shared with you last week my story about uh, going up to the hospital and creepily trying to take the lady down to the basement. And so if you weren't here, you can get a copy of that to hear that. But I do a lot of hospital visits, and you have these little interactions on elevators. And I don't know about you, but generally what happens when I get on an elevator in the hospital, people try to get as far away as they can from each other. They find a corner, and what we do just instinctively, we pull out our phone just to not make eye contact with somebody. Well, you know there's always one person on the elevator that does not get the social cues and wants to have a random conversation. Yeah, that's, that's me. So I get on the elevator, and the way I look at it is I got you in a tiny room for 30 seconds. Let's see what the Lord has in store. Well, every now and then you get somebody weirder than me. And so they get on the elevator, and we just started having this conversation. You're like, Lord, I want to represent you. And next thing you know, they're like, get in the elevator, and just random... Hey, did you see the flowers in front of the hospital? Yeah, I saw them. Aren't they beautiful? Yeah, they're, they're really beautiful. Aren't you glad spring's here? It's just nice to have wet. I, yeah, it is really nice. i was just so thankful. It was a long winter, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Well, this is my floor. Okay, that was it. Or there's the guy be wearing maybe something with the land of Braves. Hey, you a Braves fan? Yeah, I'm a Braves fan. Not doing that good this year, are they? No, it's a rebuilding year. New stadium, though. Yeah, it's a new stadium. Maybe next year will be better. Hope so. Well, hey, you have a good day. You have a good day, too. End of the conversation. Now, I'm not saying force it. I'm not saying push it. But I just had a conversation about flowers and the Braves. You know, those things aren't eternal. I know a guy that died and rose from the dead. That's pretty cool. So, hey, did you see the flowers out in front of the hospital? No, I didn't, but I know a guy who died and rose from the dead. You want to talk about that? And if you think that's crazy, let me tell you about his birth. It gets even better. That's the gospel. We have this amazing news, but yet we spend these conversations and these tiny little conversations that mean nothing. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying force it. I'm not saying push it. That does no good. I'm saying be prayed up and spirit-led and be available and look for opportunities to say, Lord, I, I have this amazing news. And that person I just interacted with is either going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. Does that not drive me on to at least be prayed up to say, Lord, I want to represent you. Be ready, be prepared. I heard a pastor say one time concerning the gospel, the good news. Those most touched by the gospel are the ones that most want to share it. Because when you fully understand what the Lord has done in your life, 
You want to tell people about it because it's life changing, life changing. But what happens? The enemy wants to get in. He wants to pervert it. He wants to twist it. Verse 7. Look at verse 8. But even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that which has been preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. That's some pretty powerful words. When it says, let him be accursed, that's a very strong word in the Greek. It leads, leads literally doomed to destruction. So if anybody wants to come preach a different gospel to you, let him be doomed to destruction. Even if it's an angel. Now, why would Paul, through the Spirit 2,000 years ago, mention an angel? If you study out a lot of false cults and a lot of false religions, it is amazing how many started with an angel appearing to them and teaching them something. So this angel appears to them, teaches them something, and says, hey, there's a different path, there's a different way, and next thing you know, there's a new religion. Paul, 2,000 years ago, said, guys, if an angel appears to you, you got to let that even go, because if they bring a different gospel, let it be accursed. And to make sure he understands it, he doubles down on it. Verse 8, let him be accursed. And I'm going to say to you again in verse 9, let him be accursed. Through the Spirit, thousands of years later, there's false cults that have started up by an angel, quote-unquote, appearing to them. Remember what it says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, that even Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Let him be accursed. This is nothing new either. Back in 1 Kings 13, there's a really interesting story about an angel. Now, 1 Kings 13, I'm just going to give you a quick rundown on it. You can look it up later and study it out more if you want time. There's this young prophet that goes up and stands up to Jeroboam the king. Jeroboam the king is doing a lot of stuff he shouldn't. He's setting up false idols, false worship, false everything. The young prophet comes and takes a stand against Jeroboam. Does it boldly, does it strongly. That was God's mission to him. Go take this stand, speak to Jeroboam, and then head home. God says, I just want you to head home, don't eat, don't drink, don't fellowship, just head right home. So he stands up to Jeroboam and the young prophet is heading home. As he's heading home, there's an older prophet that appears to him along the road. And the older prophet basically says, hey, I heard what you're doing with Jeroboam, great, come to my house, eat with me, talk to me, I want to encourage you. And the young prophet says, no, I can't do this. My God's mission is to go home now. The older prophet says, well, I just want to let you know an angel appeared to me and told me to tell you to come to my house to eat. So the young prophet says, okay, I'll go to your house to eat. So they're sitting down eating. And as they're sitting down and eating, the older prophet then has a revelation from the Lord. He looks at the young prophet and says, since you're eating with me, you're going to die now. Because God told you not to. Okay? So then the young prophet leaves. And as the young prophet leaves, a lion comes out of nowhere and eats him and kills him. And does not eat or touch his donkey. Only kills the young prophet. And that's what happens. Now, what's the point of 1 Kings 13? I have no idea. That's a strange, strange little chapter there. No, what's the point of 1 Kings 13? You've got to put yourself in the story. You're given a mission from the Lord, and that mission almost gives you blinders on your eyes. You see nothing else except what the Lord has given you. We have been rescued from this present evil age. Guys, the world is always going to try to pull something in on you. I don't know what it's going to be. It's like a temptation to do this. It's a temptation to act like that. It's a temptation to be involved. It's a temptation to impress, to be liked. No, I have a mission from the Lord. I'm here to represent Jesus Christ. So therefore, you're on that mission from the Lord. Well, what's going to happen is there's always going to be these people that show up along your mission and try to get you off of it. And they're going to sound good. Hey, I'm a prophet just like you. Guess what an angel told me to tell you? 
There's always going to be that falseness along your path of truth that is trying to pull you off of it. And if you decide to get off that path, there is a lion waiting to devour you. 1 Peter 5, 8. Satan himself is like a roaring lion looking that he may devour. So if you know what the Lord has called you to do, you stay focused on that path, you finish the task, and you don't let anything distract you because the enemy will throw whatever he can at you, even the false prophecy of angels. And this is what Paul is trying to tell us in Galatians, and this is what they were telling us thousands of years ago in 1 Kings 13, that you've got to stay true to the gospel. Stay true to that truth, speak that truth, live that truth, be rescued by this present evil age. It's not about being comfortable. It's about representing the Lord and giving him the glory. Look at verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? If I've still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. There's a really interesting word in the Greek. It's only used two times in the New Testament, and it's called being a man pleaser. Ephesians 6 has it. And what it means literally is studying, studying on how to please people. So what happens is you're having a conversation with somebody, and for some reason, you want to be liked by this person. You know, you just want to be liked by them. So you change what you like so they like you more. You change what you think, just agree with them more. And there's a part of you that says, I want to be liked by them. I want them to be impressed by me. I want to leave a good impression. So instead of stopping and saying, Lord, how do I live for you? How do I represent you? You're studying a human being saying, what would impress them? What would make them laugh? What would make them walk away saying, boy, that James is a nice person? Remember we talked about a couple uh, Wednesdays ago. We talked about seeking wisdom from the Lord. And we talked about going to man before God. And we use this analogy. You have the creator of the universe over here, God. Let me just repeat. The creator of the universe. All-knowing, all-powerful, everything. And over here, you have your, your guy friend, your girlfriend. One is made out of dirt. One is made out of a rib. Who are you going to ask wisdom from? God or dirt man or rib girl? Who are you going to ask wisdom from? But now the same thing happens with trying to impress. I have God, the creator of the universe, who I will spend all of eternity with, who is preparing a place for me, who died on the cross for my sins, and then I have dirt man and rib girl, and I'm trying to let them like me. And just these silly little interactions with people that you will have maybe seconds with. The waitress, the person opening the door. Oh, I hope they like me. No, I hope I can represent Jesus to them. Because if I spend my life saying, I want you to like me, I want to impress you, I want to leave a good impression, I I will never, ever obtain that goal. Because I am a sinful human being that's going to completely, utterly mess up. And it is so absolutely freeing to step back and say, I'm not trying to impress, I'm trying to represent. And when that happens, it's like, wow, Lord, I get it now. And that's a struggle. You know, we have a Sunday morning here. So we have a Sunday. You know, how many people are going to come? People always ask, how many people do you have? Oh, the church is full. The church is half. Everybody has an opinion on something like that. I have no say over who shows up. Sometimes you guys come and sometimes you don't. I don't know what you guys are doing. Hopefully you're representing Jesus. But I tell you this, if I base me off of this, oh, they came. Oh, they liked it. Oh, they liked 
that I'm seeking me, not the Lord. And it's a die, deny, disappear. Whoever shows up, I just need to love in Jesus Christ. And so whoever shows up, I'm going to point towards the Lord. And whoever is here this morning, I am glad you're here. I love you. Let's encourage you to go deeper in the Lord. But that means I need to die, deny, and disappear. Now, I don't know what that is for you, but I want to encourage you with two things this week. Number one, how much time do you spend trying to be comfortable on this planet? You are a temporary resident. You are a tent. Your life could be taken today. Jesus could return at any moment. It's not about being comfortable down here. It's about representing Christ. We have been saved from this present evil age. Number two, how much time do you spend trying to get people to like you, to impress them, to leave a good impression? Studying to please man is what that word literally means. Instead of studying to please the Lord. Here's a point that we've made many times over the years. Look at the last part of verse 10. For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. If you truly want everyone to like you, Christianity is the worst religion you could pick to let everyone like you. Because in Christianity, we believe in the truth of the gospel, which is there's a heaven and there's a hell. And if you choose to reject Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for your sins, you are going to hell. So what that means as a Christian, when I say I'm a Christian, I am a follower of Christ. And Christ said he is the only way to get to heaven. So as a being a Christian, I have immediately offended billions of people. See, in the world we live in today, when you have these casual interactions at work or at home, whatever, and people want to hear things like this. Oh, well, you have your idea and I have my idea, but isn't it great we're just all shooting for the same goal? No, it's not. That's really dumb. Because there only can be one truth. So if I say I have truth and you say you have truth and our truth do not line up, then neither one of us can say we have truth. Let's study your truth. Let's look at my truth. And my truth comes from the Bible, and I'll show you the truth of it. And that's the gospel. But once again, in this world we live in, oh, you know what? i got to work with these people, James. i got to live with these people. I know. That's why I read to you Luke 12, where Jesus said, sometimes I bring division. Two against three, three against two. You don't seek it out. You don't push for it. But you realize to truly take a stand for the Lord There's going to be ripple effects to that. And Paul himself says in verse 10, look at this verse one more time. Do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Please do two things this week. One, stop and ask yourself, how much time do I spend trying to make myself comfortable in this world? And number two, how much time do I spend just wanting people to like me, to be impressed by me, to leave a good impression Hey, leave a good impression in the name of Jesus. I'm all for that. But it's not about us. It's about him. And please remember, verse 5, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let the Lord get the glory. Worship team, if you can come forward here for the final song.